Donald Trump. And suddenly, a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him. Lord, save us. We perish. Why are you fearful? Oh, you of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. So the men marveled. Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you're at in the world. I am Jason, your co-host with God and Jesus Christ at my side because they are the ones in charge. This is their show. That means they are the host, and uh, they're also my boss. I take the orders from them. They are at the captain's chair, and they are at the wheel, which means they are steering this ship through these crazy waters that we know it as life. So welcome to His Hardline, episode 518. This is Genesis. We're going to be doing a reading out of Genesis 38, and then we'll have a little summary. And then after that, we'll close this out. We'll have another show. And we're going to talk about the power in the people, how the power, all power is in the people. Uh, something that I think uh, that is going to be an episode that I believe I will tag as a relevant episode to uh, post on my website. I think it's going to be something that's going to be very relevant for the assemblies, um, talking about grand juries and why all this is important. I'm going to be referencing the Corpus Juris Secundum um, manual or the book. Um, I'm going to be referencing some stuff from uh, Vittel's Law of Nations. I'm going to re reference a little bit, you know, from there a little bit. And then, uh, yeah, so we're going to have a nice little discussion over there on the other side. But anyways, 
Um, want to say good morning again it is a good morning here in West Michigan, Michigan. I'm looking outside my window. It's a little overcast, but by and large, it looks like a very beautiful day. And I'm very, very excited to see what the day is going to bring forward. Yesterday was a little bit of a rough day for me after the podcast. Actually, it, the morning started out fine, but then we started going out. Um, we had to, like I said, I, we had to go, <laughs> Let me tell you something, just a little sidebar real quick. So like I said, my wife and daughter had a dentist appointment, which was more of a consultation, right? It was a consultation to get a second opinion from the original dentist that we were going to. So anyway, um, and, and as, as people start coming in the chat, I do want to say good morning to a few people. We got MAGA Grandma Ann, good morning. Nancy, good morning. My beautiful wife, good morning. And then, of course, we got Mary. And I believe if I if she's anything like Rietta out in California, she probably has her husband next to her. So I want to say good morning to Keith if he's there. And then their little puppy dog, Trixie. So good morning to everybody. Um, but yeah, we went out to Grand Rapids to go get a uh, a second opinion because my wife, the dentist that we were using, the same dentist she's used her whole entire life, or I should say the office, her whole entire life since childhood. Um, the guy that she used to use retired. So he owned part of that practice or maybe the whole thing. I don't know. Cause he was the oldest one there. There's three dentists there. He retired, probably sold his portion off to the other two dentists and, um, you know, and they're fairly younger guys. Um, uh, one of them about my age and I kind of liked the guy, you know, I used him too. uh, trusted the guy, you know, um, seemed like a straight shooter. But what kind of started getting a little odd is like within the last couple of years. Now, keep in mind, my wife has never had cavities except maybe one in a baby tooth. OK, she keeps pretty good care of her teeth by and large. Um, and so within the last two years, she's had three cavities and in one of them, she got filled. And then just recently after an appointment, he's telling her, oh, you got two more cavities that we need to take care of. And she's like, what? And then, of course, our daughter Haven has one in her grown-up tooth, one of her molars or something. And and so, anyways, my wife is like, "Okay, I okay, I guess." Well, then she was like, "You know, no, I'm not having this. I'm going to try to find some naturopathic remedies to try to build up the enamel around my tooth." Well, anyway, she had found just you know things like that, which maybe one of these days she can discuss that too. Um, but then her mom and her dad, who also go to the same dentist, all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, they started needing work. And so we're like, okay, what the heck is going on here? So we went to Grand Rapids, different dentist, a naturopath dentist, which that's a different story of itself too. That kind of what set my mood sour after we got there because they do have in-network. So our insurance, you know, obviously they, they cover, they have some dentists there that are in-network, but there's one particular dentist that is completely out of network because they are 100% holistic and they wanted nothing to do with insurance. They wanted nothing to do with that whole system. They're just basically breaking free from it, but they have the certifications and the knowledge base to do more holistic um, approaches to oral care. And a lot of it stems from proper, um, diet and what you eat. Okay. But that's a different story for a different day. Maybe we'll cover that because that is a very intriguing story about how diet has everything to do with proper, you know, strong teeth. Now her and my daughter go in for an appointment. Now my daughter does legit have a cavity. It's because of weak enamel. Okay. So that one does have to get taken care of. That's no doubt. So he was correct there. But here's what was interesting. Now with my wife, he looked, or whoever looked at, at, at her teeth, they basically said to her, 
I don't know. I'm so glad you canceled that appointment with your other dentist because there's nothing, there's unnecessary work that needs to be done in here. There might be a little bit, you know, I forgot what it was, but something with the gum, something is just, you know, just a normal kind of thing. But he was like, there's no cavities in here. No cavities whatsoever. And I'll tell you what, that really set me over the edge. I was like, you got to be kidding me. The hygienist and the dentist, she's saying right here in the chat, that hygienist and the dentist didn't see anything. And that really ticked us off. Because, again, I trusted this guy. It's like, you got to be kidding me. You know, it's just like, uh, you know, and that's just one for instance. And then there's another for instance where, you know, we got my wife's car detailed. You know, and this is the kind of thing that kind of, this is why I always say you have to be your own advocate, guys, because no one's going to care as much as you will. You have to be your own advocate and double, triple check and verify everything. That's why I say, don't take everything I say here for face value. You might trust me, sure. And my intentions are always to get it right over here. But can I be wrong? Yes. Intentionally? No. Always get a second opinion. Always do your own research. Always be someone that digs in a little deeper. And that's why we're going to cover, you know, in the next show, the power of the people and why the grand juries of the people is so relevant and why it is so important to be someone who thinks 100% for yourself, someone who completely takes things in a very serious manner. Because, you know, we have to be, if we can't self govern ourselves, how do we expect to? you know, self-govern this nation. I mean, it's, it's, you have to watch yourself with every, with anything and anybody, you know, we went to go get my wife's car detailed. I told the guy flat out, I said, and he looked like he had a very nice, respectable shop. I looked in his showroom and what he was working in looked like he had a couple of nice, you know, literally show car model, you know, uh, show car class, um, muscle cars had a nice brand new vet in there. He was working on, he had a, a, a fairly large boat in there cause he did, you know, yacht detailing or Marine detailing. Well, anyway, what am I getting at with all this? Where I'm getting at with all this is, you know, I told him, I said, look, I used to be a detailer. Okay. So if you do a good job, you're going to be my guy. And especially I'm going to refer a lot of people to you to be their guy, your guy for them. Well, anyways, you know, he did an okay, he did a good job. I mean, not maybe for the price that I paid, but you know, when I can open up a door and wipe my finger across the sill of my door after a detail and black soot still comes up on my finger, that's a problem, you know? And, and so I was telling my wife, I said, you know, it's, it's, it's people like us and I'm not saying we're perfect. I said, but it's people like us who are very detail oriented and very honest people. I said, it's people like us that I wish more people like us would be in business. I said, because, you know, more people need to be treated better. I said, I'm so sick and tired of people giving a subpar services and you paying an exorbitant amount of money for it or they lie to you because maybe business is slow and they lie to you to try to fill their pockets up by creating work that you can't really verify because look i'm not a hygienist i'm not a dentist so i can't take an x-ray of my own mouth and see what's going on in there i can't take pictures with the fancy equipment they have of my own teeth and see what's going on in there you have to take them at their word just like the medical system and my whole point to what I'm saying here is always get a second opinion, maybe even a third, because sometimes a lot of people out there, when it comes to the mighty dollar, they'll do anything just to, to, to strip you of your money. And yes, it's, it's a crashing fiat currency, but still you work hard for it. 
anyway, it's just, yeah, it was very frustrating. So anyway, but, uh, yeah, just for the consultation, it was like 200 bucks. I'm like, ugh, I'm like, really? I'm like 200 bucks. Like I wasn't expecting to pay that. And that just sent me in a sour mood. I, I, I'll be honest with you guys. Satan got in my headspace yesterday because he knows he can't get me with my old vice that I used to, you know, be addicted to way back in the day, which was, you know, pornography. But he knows he can still kind of get in my headspace and get me get my anxiety going with the budget and, you know, money. And truth be told, guys, I had a weak moment yesterday. And that guy, that stupid little demon got in my headspace and got me in a crabby mood. Now, at the end of the day, I realized what had happened and I had prayed on it. I'm like, God, I really need your help here. I said, because there is a crack in the armor and he's getting in it and he's stirring me up right now. And so at the end of the day, I ended up, we ended up having to laugh about it. My wife was about ready to beat the crap out of me because she was over, but she bit her tongue. She knew what was going on too. But yeah, it was just one of those things. So, um, and my wife was saying right here, oh yeah, another good example. She was saying back to, you know, being your own advocate. She said, same with my nurse practitioner, not testing me for hormones or listening to me. And, and the same thing with, uh, my OB saying, I don't have second, uh, have secondary infertility. You know, these people, they don't, they're not our advocates. They really aren't. As much as people you would want to believe they would be, they're not. They're looking after one thing, and that's profit. Again, which we're going to get into further in the next topic and discussion on the other side of the conversation here with the second show. But this is a reading of Genesis 38. So let's actually get right into that. So Genesis 38, in fact, before I do, hold on a second, hold the phone. And I don't know what's going on. iPhone did a update. I got new apps on my phone that I didn't even want. So now I got to go through this and see what the crap they're doing. They're probably spying on me right now, which they always spy on me. Hold on, though. I, I need to put up my daily disclaimer because now my 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 main screen is all jacked up. So I can't find anything right now because they added stupid apps. Um, hold on. <clears throat> and typically, I always say no i don't want to update but somehow it updated by itself okay a little daily disclaimer real quick remember as i always state periodic periodically on this podcast i am not a doctor i don't wear a white coat i'm not a financial advisor pastor priest deacon biblical scholar or bar lawyer i do not give out legal advice i am also not the official face or voice of the national state or county assemblies and additionally I do not advocate for violence i am my own man and the thoughts, statements, and opinions are of my own unless I reference other material. <clears throat> so there you go. And today's material we're referencing is out of Bible Gateway and BibleRef.com. So take a quick little sip of coffee out of my His Hardline mug. And yes, I am streaming over on CloudHub for those of you that want to listen and watch live. All you're really going to see is three computer screens a mixing board, a microphone, and you're going to see my hands moving around with a mug going up and down, and that's about it. Um, so there you go. But, hey, if you're a visual and audio person, there you go. Uh, is it weird that I'm drinking yesterday's coffee reheated over the stove? Still tastes good. All right. So here we go. Chapter 38. So about that time, Judah went down away from his brothers and pitched his tent near a certain... Adalamite named Hira. There, Judah saw the daughter of a Canaanite named Shua. He married her and had intercourse with her, and she conceived and bore a son, whom she named Er. Again, she conceived and bore a son, whom she named Onan. 
Then she bore still another son whom she named Shelah, Shelah, and she was in Chezib when she bore him. Now Judah got a wife named Tamar for his firstborn, Er. Er? I th- I'm just going to pronounce an Er. It's E-R. <laughs> but Er, Judah's firstborn, greatly offended the Lord, so the Lord took his life. Then Judah said to Onan, Have intercourse with your brother's wife in fulfillment of your duty as brother-in-law, and thus preserve your brother's line. Onan, however, knew that the offspring would not be his, so whenever he had intercourse with his brother's wife, he wasted his seed on the ground to avoid giving offspring to his brother. That kind of sounds weird because it seems like it should be his brother's wife. But anyway, but what he did greatly offend the Lord, and the Lord took his life too. Then Judah said to his daughter-in-law, Tamar, Tamar or Tamar, remain a widow. Oh, I forgot my, 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 my God voice here. Remain a widow in your father's house until my son Shalah grows up. For he feared that Shalah also might die like his brothers. So Tamar went to live in her father's house. Now time passed and the daughter of Shua, Judah's wife, died. Now after Judah completed the period of mourning, he went up to Timnah to those who were shearing his sheep in company with his friends, Hira, the Adolamites. Then Tamar was told, your father-in-law is on his way up to Timnah to shear his sheep. So she took off her widow's garments, covered herself with a shawl, and having wrapped herself, sat down at the entrance of Enim, which is on the way to Timnah. For she was aware that although Shelah was now grown up, and she had not been given to him in marriage. Now when Judah saw her, he thought that she was a harlot, and since she had covered her face. Now so he went over to her at the roadside and said, Come, let me have intercourse with you. For he did not realize that she was his daughter-in-law. And she replied, What will you pay me for letting you have intercourse with me? And he answered, I will send you a young goat from the flock. Very well, she said, provided you leave me a pledge until you send it. Judah asked, What pledge should I leave you? She answered, Your seal and cord and the staff in your hand. So he gave them to her and had intercourse with her, and she conceived by him. After she got up and went away, she took off her shawl and put on her widow's garment again. Now Judah sent the young goat by his friend, the Adolamite, to recover the pledge from the woman, but he did not find her. So he asked the men of that place, Where is the prostitute? And the one by the roadside, an Enim, But they answered, No prostitute has been here. He went back to Judah and told him, I did not find her. And besides, the men of the place said, No prostitute has been here. Let her keep the things, Judah replied. Otherwise, we will become a laughingstock. After all, I did send her this young goat, but you did not find her. About three months later, Judah was told, Your daughter-in-law, Tamar, has acted like a harlot, and now she is pregnant from her harlotry. Judah said, Bring her out. Let her be burned. But as she was being brought out, she went. She sent word to her father-in-law, It is by the man to whom these things belong that I am pregnant. Then she said, See whose seal and cord and staff these are? Judah recognized him and said, She is in the right rather than I, since I did not give her to my son Shelah. He had no further sexual relations with her. And when the time of her delivery came, there were twins in her womb. While she was giving birth, one put out, 
his hand, and the midwife took and tied a crimson thread on his head, hand, noting, This one come out first. But as he withdrew his hand, his brother came out, and she said, What a breach you have made for yourself. So he was called Perez. Afterward, his brother, who, called the, who had the crimson thread on his hand, came out. He was called Zerah. And that is a reading of Genesis chapter 38, verses 1 through 30. All right, kind of a, kind of a weird chapter. Um, I tell you, there's just some really weirdness when it comes to the reading of Genesis. You know that? I mean, especially like, like what kind of, I could just, my, my mind is just so simple. It's probably stupid because, you know, I'm like envisioning some guy walking along some dirt road and then seeing some woman. Hey, let me have intercourse with you. Sure, but you're going to, you know, what are you going to pay me? Well, I will give you a goat. It's like, what? I, I just, I, I don't, I, I just don't know. I can't, uh, I can't fathom. <laughs> I can't fathom anything um, in this book anymore. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of insane. But anyway, so what does chapter, uh, Genesis chapter 38 really mean? <clears throat> so the events of Genesis 38 take place, likely take place during Joseph's time as a slave in Egypt. Now, again, because this chapter is kind of a backstory to some other scene. And then tomorrow, excuse me, not tomorrow, Sunday, because tomorrow's podcast for you Saturday. Sunday, we're going to get into uh, Genesis chapter 39 and what's going on with uh, Joseph, right? Now, in some time before he is reunited with his brothers, after this passage, the text will return to a focus on Joseph. Now, Judah remo- excuse me, Judah moves away from his father Jacob and the rest of the family living at Hebron. Now, he establishes a home to the northwest near a town called Adullam. Now, he has a friend there named Hira and soon takes a wife. Now, though people of God have been repeatedly discouraged from marrying, um, from marrying into a Canaanite culture, Judah has done exactly that. And he soon has three sons with her, Ur, Onan, and Shelah. Let me take a sip of coffee real quick. Excuse me. All right. Now, the oldest son named is Ur. Such a weird name. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I don't know if it's Ear or Ur. Which is coincidentally the reverse of the Hebrew word for evil. Now, when he is of marriageable age, Judah finds him a wife likely another Canaanite woman, and her name is Tamar. Now, Ur soon dies and put to death by God for an unnamed wickedness. Now, a strong custom of a Liverite marriage later codified into law, and you can see that reference in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 5 through 6, it demands the childless widow be given in marriage to her late husband's brother. Now, the purpose of this custom is to provide the otherwise destitute woman with a secure future. Now, Judah tells his second son to marry Tamar so that Ur's family line might continue. Now, according to this tradition, see, let me pause here for a second. This is very interesting. See, nowadays, they want us, if you think about it, they want us to rely on a system called Social Security you know, to live out the rest of our, you know, golden years in our future. See, in, in a culture like this back then, it used to be the children and the offspring, right? 
as they got older, they would take care of the wisdom class, their elders, right? Their parents, their grandparents, as they got older and could not provide for themselves. That was how it is supposed to be. And I honestly, I think that's exactly how it's still supposed to be. Because again, we should not rely on money. We should always be the ones that take care of our parents and, you know, and, and, you know, as they get older, um, but uh, unfortunately we live in an age where, you know, there's so many retirement and assisted living homes, I should say, not retirement homes, but assisted living homes that rise up, you know, that seems to be the way to do things anymore these days. It's like, oh, we'll just throw a bunch of money and let somebody, a nurse, right? Somebody who's not a very good advocate for your parents, you know? We'll just throw a bunch of money at this facility to take care of mom and dad, and then we don't have to be burdened by it. No, wrong. Look, I'm, I know it might be hard, but that's not the way we should be doing things. Because again, as we have discovered just early in the conversation, before we started the reading here, we can't rely on people in the medical system or the dental field or anything for that matter to really have our own best interest at heart so long that they put their interest in the mighty dollar. Nancy S. makes a very good point right here in the chat. She says, we need to be like the Waltons. Exactly it. That is why I believe when you see a lot of cultures like Italians or Mexicans, right? There's a lot of multi-generations that live under one household. Why is that? Well, because again, everybody takes care of one another. The working age people go out and they provide the, you know, they, they make their the income to help feed the family, to take care of the family, to keep a roof over the family. And, you know, especially for the people that get older that are unable to work. I just find that it's very interesting, you know, um, just kind of as I'm reading the summary here, just kind of, you know, making that connection there. But anyway, so continuing back to the Bible ref summary here, it says, according to this tradition, any children born from the new relationship are considered heirs of a departed brother. Now, any children owning fathers and raises with Tamar will be considered those of his late brother, not his. Now, this will carry on Ur's line and Ur's um, inheritance. Now, Onan is not interested in supporting his brother's children. Now, however, he has no objection to sex, of course. So he takes advantage of the situation, but whenever he has you know, intercourse with Tamar, he interrupts the act at the last moment and avoids conception. So God sees Onan's practice and deliberately using Tamar for sex while avoiding responsibility for his brother's legacy as a heinous sin. Yeah, I mean, you you know, if, if this is part of the culture back then, what you're doing is you're taking advantage of a situation. That's not good. And so he puts Onan to death as well. Now, the same Leverite custom demands that Judah, as Tamar's father-in-law, give her in marriage to his third son, Shelah. But Judah apparently blames Tamar for the death of his two oldest sons. And he may believe that she is bad luck or thinks that she somehow contributed to their son, sins. Now, for that reason, he is concerned that Shelah will die if he marries Tamar. And quite frankly, it's a you know justifiable thought. Yeah, I'd be a little worried too. Like, all right, I just lost my first two sons. I'm not going to lose my third. Now, fortunately, though, for Judah, when Onan dies, Shelah is not yet old enough to marry. Now, Judah tells Tamar to wait but we later learn he never planned on following through on his agreement. Now, left undeterred, Judah would leave her waiting as a childless widow in her father's household forever. Now, when Tamar realizes that no marriage is coming, she knows that her situation is hopeless, so she will not be provided for by 
her father-in-law, Judah, and she has no prospects for a future marriage. So she hatches a scheme to force Judah to care for her. Tamar learns where Judah will be traveling, and she changes her clothes and dresses herself with a veil, appearing as if she was a prostitute, and you know, positions herself along the road at the entrance of a town called Enam. Not knowing who she is, Judah propositions her for sex. What a guy. But scripture does not say exactly what Tamar's plan was at first. And so, at the very least, she intended to use this encounter as leverage to convince Judah to make good on his promise. Now, it's an incredibly dangerous gamble if she's found out. And there's a good chance that her life will you know, be forf you know, forfeited. But as it happens, she winds up with a far more potent advantage than she may have anticipated. In negotiating her fee, Judah notes that he doesn't have money to pay for her services. <laughs> Again, what a guy. Hey. Uh, you should have intercourse with me, but um, I have no money to give you, but I'll give you this goat. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine that exchange? <laughs> it's like, what? So Tamar asked Judah to leave his staff, his signet, and cord as a guarantee, kind of like collateral, right? And so these items would have been, you know, unique and irreplaceable. Now, once he sends payment, she will return the items. Now, Judah gives them to her and has his way. Now, in what turns out to be an enormous advantage for Tamar, she becomes pregnant as a result. Now, after Judah leaves, Tamar returns to her father's household. Now, while prostitution was not illegal in that era, it was probably not considered respectable. And so to avoid shame, Judah sends his friend Hira to the place where he met the prostitute to pay her and retrieve his personal effects. Now, of course, since... This was Tamar and not an actual prostitute. She was nowhere to be found. And Judah decided to abandon his items rather than risk being laughed at if the story gets out. And so three months later, Tamar is discovered to be pregnant. And Judah, knowing she is technically engaged to his youngest son, Shalah, viciously condemns her to death. But Tamar sends proof of the person who impregnated her in Judah's own staff and signet. And Judah sheepishly recognizes his hypocrisy. <laughs> and Tamar's deception and sin are immoral, but Judah's sin is even worse. He allows her to live and so far, as it seems, gives her all the care associated with a wife. And scripture does not say that Judah literally married Tamar, but specifies that he never has intercourse with her again. But in effect, Judah takes on the responsibility of liverite marriage or liberate marriage, which he had been denying to Tamar. And Tamar gives birth to Judah's twin boys, Zerah and Perez. Wow. I tell you, you know, the Bible, when you think about the Bible, you think this is very, very, you know, holy book. And it is a holy book. But with some of the stories you read sometimes in here, you wonder, what am I reading? <laughs> Am I like what this this is in the Bible? Yeah. See, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible that people don't realize. The Bible is not only our first source of law, it's a a book of parables that you know teach lessons, especially in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John by Jesus. Um, yeah, Nancy is correct. There's a lot of stories of incest. There's a lot of stories about war 
and you know people argue and say oh old testament is 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 a book of an angry god and the new testament is a book of a uh not so angry god well yes and no i guess you know i mean just you know it's the matter of how people acted back then you know just breaking god's law and that's why I wanted to kind of go after we read through the next, after we get through the last 12 chapters of Genesis, I want to kind of get into the book of Deuteronomy. You know, there's just, there's so much in this, in this book that kind of make, make you scratch your head, but you know, it's probably also in there for a reason. I'm sure there's relevance to every story and a learning lesson to every story, but yeah, it just, it's really interesting, but yeah, what a guy Judah was and, you know, for himself to get himself in that position at the end he had to pretty much insert his foot in his own mouth and be like oh shoot now i have to take care of you crap (laughs) i mean yikes what what a predicament to be in you know what a predicament to be in but anyway so that is the reading though of genesis chapter 38 and the summary and again the reference material that i get all this from is from so the reading of the bible is from bible gateway i was reading out the new american bible revised edition and then the summary is from BibleRef.com. Okay, so let's end this in prayer and we'll close this out and we'll get into the second show. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day and giving us another chance at life here and to get it right. Um, we appreciate all the many blessings that you bring forward to us and we pray for special intentions for those that are asking for it, those who are trying to conceive a baby, maybe somebody that's trying to um, get healing Uh, We pray for our nephew who is uh, potentially, you know, might be looking at the prospect of brain surgery um, to get to the bottom of his uh, seizures. So we pray for that. We pray for anybody like our nephew who might be uh, facing a similar future in a type of surgery of that nature. We know surgery can be scary. It can be very uncertain. Um, And we just pray that maybe you can deliver not just our nephew, but anybody that might have a similar future of a surgery. We just pray that maybe you can deliver a miracle and a healing so that we can avoid um, getting into a procedure like that. Father, we also ask for prayers to be answered for anybody out here, not just in this chat here, but anybody that is still unfamiliar with the His Heartline podcast, that you hear their heart and you answer their prayers. Um, and we ask that, <clears throat> yes, and, and and also I'm glad I'm glad Nancy brought this up. We, we pray for a quick healing for Destry um, because he got a new set of chompers upper and lower. And I was talking to him last evening and he sounded very much in pain. So we do pray for healing and for the pain to go away sooner than later so he does not have to rely upon uh, pain medication. Um, Father, thank you again, though, for everything that you bless us with, the food in our cabinets and refrigerator, the clothes on our back, the roof over our head, the running water that runs through the pipes through our home that gives us all the conveniences to live life a little bit more comfortable. We thank you for these things. We shouldn't rely on these things, but we do thank you for them. And and with all of this, we also ask that you guide our hearts, guide our minds, guide our words and our actions. And uh, we pray all of this in your Holy Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, ladies and gentlemen. 
So what we're going to do is we're going to close this out and then we're going to get into the other side of the conversation here and uh, we will be right back. Give us a couple minutes. God bless. Oh, and by the way, if you're listening to this on the download, my bad for the very beginning, I was praying, I prayed something. I Instead of playing the Bible intro, I had a misclick and clicked something else here on my playlist and I started playing the We the People anthem. So you'll hear like, you know, Donald Trump told us and then boop, it cut out. <laughs> so you hear that, oops. All right, God bless, ladies and gentlemen. And suddenly, a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him. Lord, save us. We perish. Why are you fearful? You of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds of the sea. And there was a great calm. So the men marveled. Who can this be that even the winds of the sea obey him?